Welcome to North Shore Newsweek. Hello, hello, North Shore, and welcome to another edition of North Shore Newsweek. I'm Joe Coghlan. That is Martin Carlino. We are two of the co-founders of the recordnorthshore.org, your neighborhood nonprofit news site. Um, we believe in, in everyday coverage of your community uh, that is responsible, um, that is done with integrity, and um, is done with depth. And that's what we work to strive for every day, and we are a reader-funded model, so hopefully um, you, you are able to access this type of news and find it useful and beneficial to your community and then support our efforts to keep us going long term. So uh, with that in mind, this is a weekly recap show. We just look at the headlines uh, from the week, give you the best there was, just another way to access your local news. Um, this week, uh, well, every week we do it in a three-segment format. We do our lead story followed by Up and Down the Shore, where we touch on every community we cover, and then we finish it up with a featured feature for sending you on your way. We start this week with the lead story and um, it's uh, what's going around everywhere. Uh, uh, that is a terrible pun I didn't mean to make, but I met in the news and it is COVID-19 and the Delta variant news regarding that and how it's affecting us locally. Last week we talked about um, how numbers were up and between then and now we saw a mandate issued by the governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois saying that uh, preschool through high school students uh, are required to wear masks indoors um, for to start the school year at least. And of course, we're going to see you and hopefully where it goes from there. But um, quite a turnaround from how we felt a couple months ago, if not just um, at the beginning of July when cases were at a, a very significant low, maybe the low of the pandemic, um, even even lower than last summer. Um, and we thought we'd turn the corner, but the Delta variant has changed things really quickly. And now, Mark, we have a mandate for all schools. Yeah, the governor's announcement yesterday, um, given the direction that, uh, unfortunately, the, the CIS pandemic has taken here in the last couple of weeks, probably did not come as a surprise to many, given that uh, case numbers have just been skyrocketing due to that Delta variant of the virus that you mentioned, Joe. So. The announcement from Governor Pritzker brings Illinois now in in uh, in unison with recent guidance that was issued by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. So very similar to what uh, Governor Pritzker mandated yesterday, that guidance said that all teachers, students, and staff in mass should in school should wear masks indoors, regardless of their vaccination sta uh, status. And that was exactly what Governor Pritzker reaffirmed yesterday. So. Um, you know, significant news because as we've reported on pretty pretty thoroughly this summer and at the end of last school year, the uh, debate over how our local school districts will be handling mitigation measures and safety procedures this upcoming school year has been uh, rather heated. There's been some contention on both sides of the aisle, while some favor having masks in school, some are uh, in opposition of that. So, um, this mandate from the governor from the governor yesterday takes away any at least I should say we assume takes away at least any um, contention for the time being because our school districts now with this mandate will not have much of a choice of uh, at least this one safety procedure for the 2021-22 school year. So uh, we've got a really detailed article up on our website that 
breaks down the latest vaccination rates from all of our town as well from all of our towns, excuse me, as well as uh, vaccination rates throughout the state. And then it also um, gets you the latest information on case numbers, which, as Joe mentioned, have uh, increased rather significantly here in the past three to four weeks. So um, I encourage anyone looking for some more information on the matter to head over to our website for that full detailed article. But um, as of publication time, we are just about to report that, I should say, as of recording this podcast, we're just about to finalize our report that Loyola Academy announced it will comply with the governor's mandate. Uh, one thing that we reported in our story yesterday was that that mandate does apply to both public and private schools. Loyola announced earlier today, and that being August 5th, that they are going to comply and uh, will require all staff, students, and visitors to wear masks while on school grounds. So um, we, we are able to report that as of right now. Yesterday, we received a statement from Nutrier that said they're still finalizing their 2021-22 operation plan, including mitigation protocols and plan to announce it next week. We should note that this was prior to the governor's announcement, but was after it had been widely reported that he was going to make the announcement uh, yesterday afternoon. So um, the district did call a special meeting of its board of education that is scheduled to take place at 6.30 next Wednesday, August 11th. So we expect information will come forward at that meeting, but for now, no official word from the township's largest high school, Nutrier. Yeah, and you know, just some of those numbers, guys, just so you know, Nutrier Township is still lower than the county and the state uh, and, of course, the nation. Um, but the numbers are going up fast, even though they are still low whole numbers. It is worth noting that they're, they're rising uh, very quickly. Uh, for instance, the uh, positivity rate in early July was 0.8%. Now it's just under three. And it, as of today, it may have toppled three but it was just under three a couple days ago. The cases in Wilmette, for instance, um, they had a two week stretch of, I believe I said 55 cases. That was uh, two times more than the entire summer before that, the seven weeks before it. So they're rising fast um, in these towns as they are everywhere. And that also led to precautions taken by village, villages and, and public institutions such as libraries, park districts, and um, villages, um, village governments. So Wilmette as well as Glencoe and we believe uh, Winneka and Evanston, if we, if we jump just outside of town, a lot of communities um, are requiring masks while indoors their facilities. So while you're in Village Hall or while you're inside the Glencoe Golf Club, which is run by the, the village of the Park District or inside the community rec center in Wilmette, which is run by the Park District or the libraries, you are required to wear a mask. Um, so just some things to keep in mind, the, the growth and the spread of the Delta variant, which is 60%, actually more than 60% of cases in the county, um, new cases. Um, that's really spurring a lot of reaction and a lot of disruption um, all over the place. So please keep, um, Keep informed as much as you can, check out sources you trust and uh, go from there because things are changing rel uh, regularly. So that's our update with uh, with COVID-19. Marty, did I miss any, did we miss anything? No, just uh, one unfortunate note that I wanted to, to add in just for further reference for our listeners here uh, is a note related to hospitalizations, COVID-19 hospitalizations and um, 
those have nearly tripled in the last month, uh, as we reported, moving from 427 patients on July 7th to 1,107 as of August 1st. So significant increase there. And officials have repeatedly said that many of those patients hospitalized are unvaccinated and are hospitalized due with the Delta variant of the virus. So um, related to the topic of vaccinations is something that we also reported on that we should um, definitely throw in some information on this podcast. And that happened earlier in the week when Cook County announced destination vaccination, which is a new effort spearheaded by the public, pub, public health department to make COVID-19 vaccination opportunities more accessible by removing what officials call a key barrier. And that barrier is transportation. So Officials announced that program earlier this week, and it'll provide free rides to several vaccination sites throughout suburban Cook County, and in many scenarios, uh, Chicago as well. So the program, according to county officials, will assist individuals with limited mobility or transportation issues to easily get vaccinated, removing a key barrier for many residents, end quote there. Um, County Board President Tony Prepwinkle said that Transportation is often a critical barrier for those in traditionally underserved communities and that officials want to offer this option for residents who might have difficulties um, getting vaccinated due to transportation. So um, the phone number, which is also reported in our article that you should call if you are interested in utilizing this program is 833-308-1988. So again, 833 308-1988 and all suburban Cook County residents and residents of Chicago are eligible for this program. So if you hope to get a COVID-19 vaccine, but you don't have a way to get there, you don't have means of transportation, this program will um, allow you, will offer you transportation to get to the vaccination site and then return back to wherever your dwelling is. So um, very significant opportunity for anyone who has been struggling to find transportation to get their uh, to get their vaccination, so the county suggesting call ahead between thirty to uh, sixty minutes ahead, um, or even sooner if possible. But if you aren't able to do that, they'll do their best to assist you as um, as immediately as possible. If you do call the same day, you're hoping to get the vaccination. So, so more information on that program on our website, but. Um, This is definitely a great opportunity, as I mentioned, for anyone hoping to get vaccinated, but struggling to find a way to get there. And those vaccination numbers, um, similar to the positivity rate that's lower than the county and the state, uh, the vaccination numbers in Zares are higher kind of than the average um, in the county and the state. So those keep going up, but the county keeps coming up with ways to to make it easier for you. So um, take advantage of them um, if you are willing and able. Uh, that's our lead story. A lot there, lots to digest. Hope you guys take a look at our site to read those stories uh, and more, but we're going to move on to our second segment up and down the shore. Obviously, that was a lot of our coverage we just went through, so this is kind of a limited version of up and down the shore, but we're going to touch on um, a few stories uh, we have here. We're going to start um, a couple, one town down, take a, take a little stroll to Winneka. We're just a real interesting story. There's really no... Um, Controversy here, there's really no, but it's a really interesting story about a little tiny through road um, and some confusion over a hundred years. Yeah, I think so often you'll hear Joe describe 
uh, some some local stories as kind of the pillars of local journalism. I'd say that this one maybe might fall into that category because it's a story that only your local news outlet who has dedicated reporters here every day is going to report because it's a it's a fun little local story that you won't find anywhere else anywhere else. Okay. Shameless plug over back to the story now. While beginning the process of replacing the century-old Gates Gymnasium in Winneka, Nutra officials uncovered more than just outdated infrastructure that needed some replacement. They discovered a 100-year-old misunderstanding. And that misunderstanding is that uh, Winneka officials had long believed that a portion of Essex Road, so that portion that runs between Nutra's Winneka campus, they thought that that was a dedicated village street. But during the process of uh, Nutrier beginning work for its uh, Gates Gymnasium replacement project, school officials found that that was not actually the case and that, that uh, the village was mistaken on their longstanding belief that they had owned that portion of Essex Road. It was actually owned by Nutrier. So during the council's uh, meeting this past Tuesday, officials approved a uh, transfer of property from Nutrier and a subsequent dedication of Essex Road as a public right-of-way, which officially corrected the misunderstanding that had been in place for uh, over a century. So how did they, you're probably thinking to yourself, you know, how did they make this mistake? How did they think otherwise when um, probably all this stuff is documented, documented, excuse me. So School Nutra officials um, first discovered this while doing a routine title search in preparation for all the construction that was going to take place related to the Gates Gymnasium replacement um, project. So while doing that, they had found that that portion of Essex Road and a little bit more specifically about it, that portion runs between the east and west parts of the campus. They they found that they had, that piece of Essex Road had actually been conveyed to Nutria in 1921. So um, this is something that happened 100 years ago. But since that, the village had always believed that they had actually owned it. Instead, it was a common uh, mix-up and misunderstanding, and Nutria owned it. All that time, the past century, though, Winneka has been maintaining that portion of the road, and they have pub- public utilities such as... Uh, water drainage, sewer, sanitary sewer work, uh, um, all kinds of public utilities that run through the road that obviously provide important infrastructure service to uh, the village of Winneka and its residents. So now that the property has officially been transferred over to Winneka, we can all just kind of uh, chalk it up as a mistake and and laugh it off as a joke. But uh, a really interesting local story that seems to be getting quite the reaction from the early indication on our social media uh, account. So really fun one. If you're looking for inf- more information, head on over to our website to uh, check out some more details on this one, but uh, pretty unique story that you don't come across every day. Yeah. You wonder if, you know, 50 years ago, if the village had known then they, they would have stopped putting infrastructure there, maintaining it. I don't know. It is very interesting, but no harm, no foul. And, and we move on without too much disruption at the Nutria campus. Um, Next, we're going to uh, move down to Wilmette, and we're going to talk about um, a couple stories. Uh, we're going to give you an update on Maggie Shea. We did this in the sports podcast as well, if you want to check on the varsity. But uh, Maggie Shea is our, our resident Olympian here, a, a sailor who grew up in Wilmette and um, sailing locally. 
and she competed in the Olympics. Uh, it's a complicated story, but I hope you guys can check it out from our, um, from our intern, Elaine Trinko. But basically, she did not qualify for the medal, medal round. Um, Maggie and her partner, Stephanie Robel, uh, ran into a bit of difficulty there with some penalties, very unusual penalties. And then they got slapped with a judge's ruling that basically gave them a score of zero uh, that they could not erase. So uh, the qualifying races are a series of 12 and you're able to eliminate your lowest score to make it the best of 11. Um, because of their zero, they were not able to eliminate that zero. Um, that was a judge's ruling. They couldn't eliminate the zero and they finished just shy of 10th place, which would have qualified them for the medal races. Um, and then they were sent home. So uh, pretty complicated stuff. If you know sailing, maybe you'll know all the terminologies. We had to look up a lot and hopefully we made it accessible to you non-sailors out there. Um, but a very interesting uh, turn of events on the waters for Shay and her partner, Robel, who uh, making their Olympic debut did not uh, qualify for the medal round, unfortunately, but quite an experience nonetheless. And we're proud of her um, here in Wilmette. Um, she's an Olympian, um, and very few who can say that. So check out that story, that update on Maggie Shea. And I believe we have one other thing in Wilmette and some accolades for a village employee. Yeah. So at the Wilmette village boards last meeting, they, uh, took a portion out of that meeting to honor Bridget Berger Reich, who is the village's director of public works and engineering. And, um, Earlier this year, she had received recognition from the American Public Works Association, which is a nonprofit professional association, and uh, they had recognized her as one of the top 10 public works leaders of the year. So a very prestigious recognition. The Village Board uh, honored her at their most recent meeting for the accolade and had said that they had hoped to do it earlier, but they had hold, they wanted to hold off on on honoring her so that they can do it at an in-person meeting, which is why it had happened so um, a couple months after she had received the honor. But um, she's been with, with the village for quite some time. And um, under her leadership, the, the village has completed several notable projects. I'd say that would be highlighted by the uh, neighborhood storage project, which is Wilmette's largest ever infrastructure project and um, still ongoing now nearing the, uh, the final phase, hopefully, completed sometimes next year, but that's a, a massive project. And then also um, some sanitary storage work at West Park, uh, obviously the huge reconstruction project on Central Avenue in downtown Wilmette that uh, is wrapping up. And then also some infrastructure work on Sheridan Road have, have been the highlights under uh, her tenure as the leader of the public works and engineering departments in Wilmette. And uh, village manager, Mike Brayman said that she took over the department when, frankly, it was in disarray, and um, she provided some clear leadership and clear direction for the department when it really needed it. And the Public Works Department is the is the largest in Wilmette, the large has the has the most employees and the highest budget, and um, performs many imperative tasks that often go unnoticed and, and keep the keep the village running smoothly. And I think. Wilmette trustee Peter Barrow summed it up pretty perfectly that if it, uh, if it runs well in Wilmette, Bridget probably did it. So great quote from him at the meeting and uh, check out the article for some more information on a, uh, a dedicated public employee who has serviced the community for, uh, for many years and uh, village officials believe she's an absolute rock star. Yeah, great compliment, great um, 
uh, a great award in honor for, um, for Bridget. Um, and now uh, we're going to move on to our featured feature of the week and a little bit of in-house um, success story. Um, just a fun one here. And first, so the record held a its inaugural Youth in Journalism Workshop. This was an idea of ours when we launched um, something we really wanted to do to give some opportunities to anyone interested in journalism, whether it's they're going to pursue that or they just wanted to get an inner look at the uh at the happenings and, and how th the processes of how a, a media organization works. So um, it was open to 16 to 22, and we had our first class over a two week stretch. We met for two hours uh, every day. Um, this program um, first just wanna highlight was the, uh, was funded and couldn't be, um, could not have been possible without Nutrier Township who saw that it was a good program in the area and funded it. And that way we were able to offer it for free um, we were able to pay a qualified instructor um, to come in and um, lead the class along with um, some of us here at the record, including myself and, and Martin came in as well, um, as well as some special guests. So we were also able to um, actually pay the students for some of their work. So thank you to the township for that, first of all. Uh, second of all, it was just a really cool time. We had three new Trier students, um, as well as three college students who came in um, and we, uh, we worked through everything from writing techniques to interviewing strategies to um, investigative reporting, um, explanations of nonprofit journalism and different journalism um, models, as well as um, we brought in special guests like Seamus Toomey of, of Block Club Chicago to talk about beat reporting and J.A. Donde, who's on our board, um, Jen um, Gordon, who talked to an attorney who talked about uh, media law. So we kind of covered everything. Ethics was a big day for us as well. So uh, just a really cool experience. I hope they include, well, their, their surveys say they had fun too. So, and they enjoyed it. So we were glad to do it. We hope to um, expand it next year as well. Um, but a very cool program. We just wanted to highlight. It's just some of the outreach we hope to do here um, over um, over the time we spend with the community, um, besides doing everyday civic journalism. And if that's something you believe in too, um, just enabling um, basic public information and making it accessible um, to all and believing that's a public good and a public service to do, um, we hope that you can support us um, in our nonprofit efforts. So uh, that was cool. It's called the Youth and Journalism Workshop and, and six people quote unquote graduated from the program. We're very proud of them. Um, they did awesome. Special shout out to Marco Santana, who was the instructor for the course and just ran an absolute uh, beauty of a two week course. And of course, got to give a shout out to Joe, who was a key part uh, as a co-instructor with Marco and, and there every day to help guide the help guide the course. So um, thankful to Marco, Joe, and of course, all the students who took part. Thank you for uh, for spending these two weeks with the record and talking a little bit, uh, talking about a little bit of journalism. So uh, really fun two weeks. Hope to bring it back in the future again. And that's our show, guys. That's our three segments. Ton of information, ton of content um, and um, reporting work on COVID, uh, both data reporting and um, in, in the standard reporting, traditional reporting, just on everything that affects you guys. So I hope you take a look at it um, and stay informed as much as you'd like to be. So that's our show. Um, Till next week. Thanks for listening.